Milo Vonnen, and welcome to 10CBF, a podcast for blended families. I'm your host, Joel W. Hallbaker, and I'm thankful that you're here. Each week on the show, I'll be bringing you expert interviews to encourage and inspire your blended family, along with some special episodes thrown in from time to time. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating review on iTunes or whatever platform you use. In the meantime, be ready to listen, laugh, and learn, and maybe even take a few notes. Ready for this week's interview? Then let's jump in. Milo Vaughn and everybody, welcome back to another episode of 10CBF, a podcast for blended families. And I'm very, very excited for our, uh, to have our guest, Terry Vanover, today. Terry is a divorce and relationship strategist. Her dynamic, vibrant, inspirational talks for both men and women motivate and educate audiences. Terry, who is divorced, has overcome abandonment, poverty, and childhood sexual abuse. She uses the trials and her triumphs in her coaching practice, Choosing to Rise. Terry coaches men and women to overcome their setbacks, create healthy relationships, and find happiness and peace of mind. She is also the co-author of two women's empowerment books. Terry, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Well, thanks, Joel. We, we've just been chit-chatting here. We've got so much synergy and so much commonality between us. This is going to be great. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm glad you are as well. I'm t- listeners, I told her right before we started, I wish I'd been recording everything we'd been talking about before we jumped on here because sometimes you just chat with someone and you, you realize, okay, this is my kind of people, right? And not just because we have slight Southern drawls, but that, although that, all, you know, that helps slight yeah. <laughs> okay I, I consider mine slight because yeah. I teach you know I teach in Alabama so a lot of the ones I hear from students are uh, extra syllables and stuff that's um, true yeah. yeah a little bit so Terry we've been chatting uh, but our audience doesn't know as much about you even though I read your interview or your your introduction um, tell us a little bit more about yourself your story your experience personal or professional or both and uh, you know just help the audience to know who you are a little bit more and what you're about yeah, so, you know, I, I grew up, you know, Joel talked about our southern accents. I grew up, I was just a poor country girl from Virginia, and uh, my mom, you know, she had very little money, very little education. She didn't even finish high school, and she had my sister and I when she was quite young, and, you know, she was, she married an alcoholic, unfortunately, and they divorced when I was quite young. And I really felt abandoned by my father after they divorced. There was very little contact and what little contact we had was, was pretty negative. And I was sexually abused when I was seven years old by a family member and the poverty and grew up around a lot of shame, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I really, I brought a lot of those issues into my adulthood. I was, um, you know, had a, had a, a sense of like not belonging, a sense of abandonment, sense that I was never good enough, unlovable. I brought all of that into my adulthood and particularly my marriage, which is what a lot of people do. They try to resolve a lot of their childhood issues with an intimate partner. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, my marriage didn't last long. I was very needy. I was controlling. Um, I was not a good wife. And, um, my marriage, unfortunately, fell apart due to my childhood traumas. And I, within a few short months, I was hit by a van. I lost my mom. I became homeless. I lost all my 
financial stability. <laughs> it was like the worst year. It made 2020 not look so bad, you know? Wow. Um, yeah, it was a horrible, horrible time in my life, you know, and just me going through divorce during this and struggling and, and everything. Um, and, and in those dark times, though, I realized I needed to change. That mm-hmm. I really needed to deal with some of these unhealed childhood issues that had impacted my marriage and had, you know, impacted my life mm-hmm. and had to really do, and I call it, you know, I don't, I don't know what your terminology exactly is, but in, in, I call it consciously surrendering, mm-hmm. making the, the conscious decision that I'm just going to surrender to this loneliness and start understanding why I don't feel lovable. Hmm. And so it was in doing that, you know, sitting in some strange woman's basement, crying myself to sleep, you know, every night going through divorce. And it was going through that, though, I realized, you know, I could heal this. And I learned the tools. I learned the, the specific strategies that you need to work on yourself to become the best version of yourself. And, you know, luckily, I have put that past behind me. I've forgiven myself. My ex has forgiven me. We have an amazing co-parenting relationship. He was here Christmas morning with our kids and his Mm. new wife, who's my best friend, (laughs) y'all. I'm remarried to a wonderful Joe. He's a sexy New York Italian. (laughs) His accent and my accent, people love to make fun of us. I can't imagine why people would do that. I don't know. but it's, you know, and so we, we've made this really, really great life mm-hmm. together. And if you had told me during the darkest hours of my divorce that, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be sitting here having Christmas morning, hugging my ex-husband on, you know, and he's coming over for New Year's Eve or we're celebrating his birthday and we could put all that behind us. I would not have believed you. Right. But I'm telling you that it is possible and I believe mm. it, it works. It starts by working on yourself. You know, right. you have to address your own issues and how you see the world and how you filter filter your partner, right? Or filter your ex. Know your own triggers. I call them triggers. Those things mm. that, you know, get you angry or get you lonely or get you sad, whatever those things that that provoke you emotionally, you have to understand that within you. So right. that you can identify that and heal that and not necessarily project that onto your ex or project that onto your next partner. Because that's really what this is about. If you really want to have a healthy blended family, you've got to, to look at your own issues and see what issues you might be bringing into the next partnership, the next relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Listeners, I want to uh, mention a couple things that Terry has talked about there and, and just highlight them and, and remind you what she said. First, she talked about making a conscious decision to accept her circumstances in order to heal and then move forward. And that's something that we've shared on this show before is that you can spend a whole lot of time being angry at the world, but until you choose to accept your responsibility and your role in getting where you are, you're not you're not able to move forward. You have to empower yourself by accepting your circumstances. As long as you're blaming other people, you're giving them power over you. And so you've got, I love that you said that Terry, I made a conscious decision to, to accept where I was. You said to, to accept the loneliness and figure out why I felt unlovable so that I could heal. 
and so that I could then become a much better version of myself. I love that. And then she mentioned as, as uh, she moved forward, you need to learn to work on yourself for a variety of reasons. One, because you're going to bring that baggage with you, no matter who you are, oh no matter God, what yeah. relationship you're in, you're going to bring that baggage. And I mean, think back to middle school and high school. We all had baggage then and we brought it into our dating relationships. Well, multiply that times yeah. a marriage and kids. You're going to bring that baggage yes. with you. And if you have an ex spouse and kids, that's a lot of baggage. And that baggage, not, not could, will affect your next relationship. And I love what you said too, Terry, about how you have to know yourself well enough to know your own triggers because otherwise you're going to be yes. going crazy emotional on people and, and not even necessarily sure why. And, and I would, you know, I absolutely can speak to the truth of that in, uh, in my marriage right now because there are a couple right. of things I've done and my, and my wife goes, honey, I just need you to not do that. And I didn't think it was a big deal, but I appreciated her letting me know that's, that's a trigger. <laughs> so yeah, and that's good. I love, I love that you brought it back to like, it's, it's about when you blame others, you're giving away your power. Yeah, And absolutely. when you allow others to trigger you again, you're giving away your power. They have control over you. They can yep. manipulate your emotions and thus manipulating your behaviors and your actions. And, and that's, that's a very disempowering place to be. And when you are aware of your own, you know, triggers, your own needs, your own, you know, desires, your own flaws, you, you get your power back. Yep. I absolutely agree with, with everything you said. And unfortunately I had to learn it the hard way. And some people, you know, we do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I learned yeah. the hard way. But you know, and another thing I think, so I'm a stepmom. And one of my philosophies in life that I bet you'll agree with, with is that life presents you with people and circumstances that will show you where you still need to heal. Ooh, that's and very I, good. I have a lot of stepmamas coming to me and those stepkids, what are they? They're like, you know, big triggers. Mm -hmm. And so if you identify the root of that, the heart of that and mm -hmm. heal that, then you understand that person is brought into your life to give you an opportunity to grow. Right. Yeah, I love that. Can you say that again? Life presents you with people and circumstances that... That will show you where you still need to heal. Mm, okay, yeah, that's really, really good. Yeah, and I, I think you're exactly right about that. Um, and especially, again, within our blended families, um, even if you didn't know certain things were triggers, your kids will find them for you. Or your, or your spouse will find them for you. <laughs> um, You're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, yeah, we were, we were talking before the show about how Terry and I both used to be school teachers. And I've said for years, you know, I teach in a small Christian school, and I've told people for years, if you're not sure about the depth of your own sin, get married. Because your spouse will point it out to you, even if you don't necessarily want them to. Right, because it will come out when you live in close relationship with someone. If you're still not sure about your own sin, have kids. They would love to point it out to you. And if you still are a glutton for punishment, go be a school teacher yeah. because students love nothing oh, more yeah. than to point out any time a teacher does something wrong. So yeah, I yeah. would say become a step parent because oh, yeah. then, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And and again, really God bless you, people. You. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. not a gig I would have signed up for. I've gone on record saying that. I'm, I'm not a step-parent. I'm a bio-parent who is married to a step-parent. Being a step-parent has got to be the most difficult situation in the world. It is not one I would have signed up for. So, 
God bless all of you people who do that and do so with grace and love and patience because I'm just not that good a person. And, and I know that, you know, so I'm glad that there are people like you and, and my wife out there who do that and do it well, because kids need that. Kids need that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and I think with, when you're and stepmothers in particular, it's, it's an interesting role in our society because we have to do all the motherly things, but yep. with none of the appreciation or validation or support. A hundred percent. No matter how good you are, you know, I don't know. Our culture just has ingrained the evil stepmother. Yes. No matter. I, I blame Cinderella. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a, it, it's a longstanding uh, cultural mm-hmm. thing against stepmothers. And yet, you know, I, I call it, you know, we have to step into that, mm-hmm. that, role and become unapologetic, you know, and, and, you know, you have to, again, but it all goes back to you. Like, what are my triggers? Because I think the stepkids in particular, because you don't have that bond from, Mm -hmm. you know, birth that you do with your own children necessarily. So they definitely know your triggers. And if they're older, (laughs) you know, they definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Kids are great about that. Mm -hmm. Kids are are great Mm -hmm. about that. Um, so speaking of triggers and, and challenges, what is the biggest blended family challenge that you've faced and how did you guys overcome or address that? Interesting, because you gave me your, your 10 commandments and I loved it. And I love the question that you asked, like, what's the number one commandment? And I was like, mm. ooh, that's really hard. <laughs> I think they're all, no, I really think they're all amazing. I, I think, appreciate it. I don't know anybody who can actually keep them well, but we try. Well, but I mean, no one's perfect. We're human. We're, yeah. we're not, we're, we're flawed. We're going to make mistakes. And that's, that's why there's forgiveness mm-hmm. and grace, right? And that's, Amen. And, and you mentioned that too, in the commandment, like give grace, mm-hmm. you know, a lot. And we you need to give it to yourself, self-compassion and yeah. compassion for your partner. I, so I work with a lot of um, step parents. And mm-hmm. I would say the biggest challenge that I see, and, and it was the biggest challenge for me personally as well, is the, the parenting, um, different models of parenting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. One parent, I'm old school, Southern. <laughs> My husband <laughs> is New York, Italian, where, you know, grandma does everything, the children do nothing you know Mm. and I grew up yes ma'am no ma'am yes sir no sir we do chores we do right it's you know respect and Mm -hmm. and totally different parenting style that sounds very different culturally and therefore parentally yes and so um we had to come together for that Mm. and I would and I would and I see that a lot with with the the families and the clients that I work with Mm -hmm. I work with individuals who are in blended families Mm -hmm. and they'll come to me and they'll say well you know he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that and I'll you know so first thing is to look through the filter of like how you're viewing this and can you reframe it you know one of the things you mentioned is are you looking through this as like he's you know doing the best that he can or he wants the best Mm -hmm. for you know, you want to choose to see this in the best way possible. So sometimes it's helping people to reframe that. Okay. Their own filters. Because I believe we come to the world, you know, with our filter. Absolutely. And so for me, I, our biggest challenge was coming together 
in two different parenting styles. Okay. And so it was a lot of communication and like you said, consistency, being consistent right. and communicating. And I want to, I want to kind of tweak that communication thing because it's like sure. a positive communication. Okay. You know, I think sometimes people, and I tell, I tell like my clients when they come to me, when you communicate, I want you to think about like, like this, I want you to, to request versus a complaint. Mm. Big difference there. I'm, I'm requesting this of you rather than I'm complaining about something that you're doing wrong. Yeah. So I think that just that little reframe makes a huge difference. You know, well, I am saying what I need. I do do, you know, all right, well, are you just, you know, constantly complaining about it or is there a request of something specific you need? Yeah, absolutely. And listeners, please pay attention to that. I, I had a very, um, apt experience with this recently in a conversation that I was um, having with my uh, with my ex-wife. It was about our kids and some different situations, and I didn't think about this consciously the way you just said it, but that was exactly it. Is I, I kind of typed out some bullet points of what I wanted to say, and then I went back and, and showed them to my wife, and I said, how does this sound? And she went, I would probably rephrase a few of these because if you say this to her, it's not going to help anybody the way that you have it phrased here. And so we went back and and tried to rephrase some of those to make them much more helpful. Still, you know, still getting across the point of here's what my concern is or whatever it may be. Um, But I love how you said that. Are you, are you saying it as a request or are you just complaining about something? Mm -hmm. Because, uh, and it also reminds me of my dad. My dad was in the military for 20 years and he used to tell me a lot of the time, don't come to me with a complaint unless you also have a solution. Oh, yeah. You know, because anybody can complain and whine about stuff. But if you're just going to come to me with a complaint and a complaint and a complaint, I don't want to hear it. Once you have an idea Mm -hmm. about a solution, then come and talk with me and we can discuss it. I'm not saying we're going to do it your way, but at least you've thought about it enough to come up with a potential solution. And I love that mentality as well. Yes, I do too. And another thing is, what you just mentioned, I think what your wife maybe inadvertently did is set an intention. Mm-hmm. What's the intention right. of this What's the actual goal What's of the, the intention? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just think it's being more conscious in our everyday lives and conscious in everything we do mm-hmm. and in intent, being intentional in our communication. You know, what's right. the intention? Am I here just to like prove like what a horrible parent you are? <laughs> or is the intention to put, you know, may, maybe right. not consciously. I, right. I think honestly, if people aren't like even conscious of like, but if they look at the intention of like, ooh, yeah. ooh, my what intention. What was the actual purpose of this conversation? Right. Yeah. Well, the, the intention of this is to get my child, you know, A, Whatever B, and C. Yeah. And that yep. doing it this way is not going to really help that goal. Yes. I just, it's setting an intention in everything we do is really mm-hmm. important. Definitely yes. in our communication with our partners, with mm-hmm. our exes, uh, particularly with our exes. Yeah, I think you're exactly yeah. right. And again, I, I've got years of experience of doing that poorly that I'm learning from. And that's where a lot of those commandments come from is things that I got wrong early in my divorce life and therefore try to help people not make those same mistakes. <laughs> Um, Same here. That's what I say. I was like, I went, I made all the mistakes that you can make. So let me help you avoid those. That's right. If I can help you avoid even half the potholes that I hit, you will be so much at a better place faster than I was. Yep. And that's the goal. Yes. You know. Um, 
So yeah. uh, that's always the hardest question that I ask people because it, you know, it, it's just difficult to look back and go, man, I don't, I mean, there were so many struggles. How do I pick the one that was, <laughs> you know, the biggest or whatever? Uh, my next question is actually probably my favorite one that I ask guests. And that is to ask, what is the best or most positive blended family experience or memory that you have? And you, you, you know, you've shared that your husband, your ex-husband was over there on new year's day or on Christmas day. And, and I'm sure there are people who are going to listen to that and go, yeah, that's not ever going to be possible in my world. And that may be true, but it may be true. It may be possible. You just don't know it yet because you don't think it is. Yeah. You know, when I was sitting in that basement crying, you know, and mm -hmm. my ex, I would venture to say he hated my guts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure neither of us was thinking we're going to be, you know, having parties together and eating dinner, but mm -hmm. it, it is definitely possible. And like you said, like we have some tools and we have some things to help you get there faster. Mm -hmm. I think it's more possible in more situations than people realize. Agreed. If they understand their own thinking and their, their, the ways that they're getting in their own way. Mm -hmm. It, it will get you there faster because trust me, my ex-husband did, did nothing. He's still the same person as, you know, I feel like, but because I showed up differently in mm -hmm. the relationship, he was able to show up differently. Mm -hmm. And that's what people don't understand. Right. And I see this with everything. I see my clients, you know, they come to me for their, their intimate relationships, but then they're like, Oh my gosh, my relationship with my father is so much better. I might get along with my sister so much better. Because when we, sh when we show up differently in our relationships, the people around us receive that and then they show up differently. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely, you know, but also with, with one of my, you know, better experiences is also, like you said, look for the good, right? Mm -hmm. So I have two older stepkids that are grown now. And one of the biggest blessings was how there were a couple, but like they were very open to my kids. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of step families don't necessarily have that where they have mm -hmm. one step kids against the other step kids. Yeah. And his, um, his children were very like open and mm. loving towards my children. That's wonderful. And my children vice versa. So that was a really good, that mm. was really, I was really lucky in that there was not that, you know, yeah, there wasn't the rivalry or the tension. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, praise no, the Lord. That is a that is a great that is a great blessing that again a lot of families don't get, but it is something that you can work toward. Again, you're talking about some of the tools that you share. Those are some of the relationships that can get better depending on how those people choose to show up. And a lot of how those people choose to show up, again, it's shaped by how you do it. The example that you and your spouse are setting, the example that you and your ex are setting, the kids take cues from that kind of stuff. And so I love that you mentioned that, you know, if you show up differently, other people can too. Absolutely. And you know, as a stepmom, I'll, I'll admit something personal here. I really struggled with judgment, mm -hmm. you know, because they were so different from mm -hmm. me and my mm -hmm. upbringing. So there was some judgment on my end mm -hmm. and I had to work through that and let go of that and look at, Oh, how are you thinking about this? And, you know, my truth isn't necessarily their truth and who am I to put that judgment on anyone else? So mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, I think it's really important. We, we look at the stories we're telling ourselves about things and look mm -hmm. at our own judgments and look at our own, you know, the way we're raised and how mm -hmm. it's impacting. 
and not necessarily saying that like I necessarily would change how I raised my children, but maybe how I approach it mm -hmm. and, and how my husband and I approach it together. Yeah. And we can, and how we can support each other. Again, that request versus complaint. Right. You know, this is, and how can, how can I support you? I know you're struggling in this area. How can I support you? What do you need? Right. The communication. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what you mentioned there, it's difficult for a lot of people because it requires a level of humility. It requires a level of self-forgetfulness to say, okay, is it possible that maybe I am at least part of the problem here? Is that even possible? Because again, I've been through divorce too. It's, it's not fun. There's a lot of hurt. And the last thing on earth a lot of people want to do is admit they might be part of the problem toward their ex. And I, I get that. But until you can admit that, again, you're just you're you're putting every you're giving all of the power to them. And it shouldn't be a power struggle. But again, as long as your decisions are shaped by them and your anger toward them or your hurt toward them, you're not going to be able to move forward as successfully as you could. And so you've got to ask yourself, okay, what is it that I have done, am doing, or could do differently that would help improve this situation? Because we can all do better. I love that. I love that. And if you look at and it, and it's about reframing how you look at the challenges, right? Mm -hmm. When, when I was in that space of judgment and challenge, I was like really holding on to my story. Like, Oh, I'm right. I know I'm right. <laughs> but, but when I looked at this, when I, you know, because we're really lucky in the space that we have all these great tools that we can go to. But when I looked at it through the lens of this is an opportunity for mm -hmm. you to grow and for you to heal. Right you know, what's beneath this judgment, what's really mm -hmm. going on. Cause, and it was amazing. Like how, how empowered you become because then you have control. Okay. Now I have control. We don't have control over anybody else, no matter what they do. Like no right. matter what we do, we can't control anyone else, but we can control our emotions. We can control our behaviors. We can mm -hmm. control how we show up. We can control how we think. Right. I think that's that's like half the battle. If you if you start to control your mind and how you look at things and how you think about things, mm -hmm. because it was that shift when my when my you know when I was like this is this challenge because it was a very challenging issue in our family. And I was mm -hmm. like this is a this is an opportunity for you to heal something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so keep looking at it as an opportunity and you just go deeper. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you know, become humble, surrender. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I love, again, I, I want to revisit the quote you said earlier. Listeners, she said, life presents you with people and circumstances that will show you where you still need to heal. And I think that's such a great way of reframing how we look at those challenges like you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's awesome. Um, and if you look at and everything, like you, you got a boss at work that is challenging. <laughs> you can, you go in there, you go inward and you think, oh, what is this teaching me? Where am I, right. you know, am I still yep. dealing with, you know, this issue of not feeling listened to, or I'm not, you know, whatever that issue or whatever they're triggering in you, you can look at it as an opportunity for growth. And the amazing thing is once you heal it, that person is no longer an issue or a challenge for you. You love and accept them as they are. They don't have to do a thing because you've right. just changed your mindset around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And, and what you just said, if we could do that toward our ex, that could absolutely change the entire dynamic of that blended family relationship. 
And, uh, and I think that's a very, very powerful way of, like I said, reframing how you approach those situations, those relationships, those challenges. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Yeah, you're right. The X, our X is our biggest, <laughs> challenge. especially because they, they know your, they know your biggest insecurities. Yep. They know your hot button issues. Right. So it probably doesn't even take a lot for, for that to, you know, become a big ordeal. But if you right. look at, and that's like a big part of what I do is like helping people heal their triggers mm-hmm. so that they're like, Oh, not even a big deal anymore. Right. Not, I it's can fine. see this for what it is rather mm-hmm. than this emotionally charged thing that I've made up in my head. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So the next question is this, you were provided with a copy of the 10 commandments for blended families ahead of time to look through. I appreciate your kind words about them. Um, Having taken a look at those, which one of those do you see people struggling with the most? And what kind of wisdom would you share with those couples or with those people? (laughs) Well, I think, you know, I I had thought like one, communicate well and consistent. Mm communicate and consider because of the parenting thing because mm-hmm. most of the times you have two parents who aren't on the same page right and if one parent has been parenting their kids in one way for 10 years and another parent's been parent then you've got this huge mess mm-hmm. um I, I really you know so the parenting thing is a big thing and so then maybe but but maybe the thing is like asking for help okay you know mm-hmm. using resources like this with people who've been there, done that, and have the tools to help you get through it. Like, don't, because, you know, one of the sad facts, and, and maybe you know this, is that, that people wait six years before they get help in their marriage. Wow. And, like, by then, it's six years of resentment mm-hmm. and anger and bitterness and, like, come on, life life is too short. I'm all about, like, let's let's get this done quickly. So get the support, find, find somebody that you really think is going to, going to help you and, and give you what you need to get through this because you don't have to, to be, you know, hide in shame. We talked about that. Like most people don't even know that 40% of families are blended families. Right. Everyone thinks it's just them that's struggling, you know, cause you know, especially with social media nowadays, everyone looks so happy and right great on social media and and behind closed doors that's not it at all yeah so get help get support don't don't keep doing the same thing over and over because resentment is the number one relationship killer and if you're resenting your your ex for not meet or your spouse for not meeting your needs or you're resenting your ex and you're holding on to that you bring that into your partnership i see that a lot a lot of people don't understand how much I don't know how much forgiveness work you do in your work. I do a lot of forgiveness work Mm. because I find that if you are holding on to pain and anger and bitterness against someone who wronged you, you're going to bring that into your intimate relationships, your personal, your children are going to feel it. Your partner's going to feel it. Right. Like I'm a big believer in forgiveness and opening your heart. Right. Yeah. Are you, um, are you familiar with Tunisia OKK? Okay, so she was one of the first interviews I did for my show, and I've known her for a couple years, and she talks a lot about the forgiveness lifestyle. Um, She's also part of a a big blended family. Um, Her, 
I'm trying to remember what uh, episode she was, I interviewed her in, but you should check out her because she talks a lot about the importance of forgiveness. And I feel like you guys would hit it off because that's a huge part of what she does. Cause she's exactly the same way. Like if you're holding on to that resentment, you're, I'm, I'm trying to remember who it was that said this. They said, you know, um, holding on to bitterness is like drinking poison, hoping the other person will die, you know, and that, that doesn't, that doesn't work that way. But people think, people mistakenly think that their children don't pick up on that. Okay. Mm. And I, so is it okay if I share a personal story? Please. So I had a family member betray me. And again, I have all the tools and did all the work, but Mm. in this particular instant, I was was still pretty fresh Mm. and I was still in the throes of processing the anger, Mm. right? Because I do believe it is a process. I don't believe you just wake up one day, oh, oh, I forgive you. It's like, no, I mean, you do have to process some grief and emotions Mm -hmm. and anger. And I was kind of in the throes of like, I'm still angry right now. And I knew it, you know, Mm -hmm. and my kids were, you know, said something, right. They said the the family member's name and they glanced over. Wow. Just to see how you respond. Reaction was going to be. And I was like, Ooh, now granted, I I obviously don't talk ill of this person or mention it. They knew. And mm. so I believe that when you don't forgive, two things happen. You're pushing the people away that you love. Like my mm. children in that instance, my children energetically felt that they couldn't say or be who they wanted to be around their mommy because it might, it might hurt her or make her angry or whatever. But not only that, here's the thing. When you don't forgive someone, you are emotionally entangled with that person. Person, right? right when I was stewing in my anger that person was on my mind all the time mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about it they were making me angry I was still and the forgiveness is great because it allows you to release that and let it go mm-hmm. and, and you know for some people that's a triggering word too because they they, they equate forgiveness with like condoning it doesn't right. mean we condone what Correct. that person is Correct. it's about opening our own hearts and releasing that I call it releasing, releasing the pain that someone else gave you, mm-hmm. right? We don't have to hold on to that. They may have given you all that toxic emotions, but you don't have to hold it anymore. Right. So it doesn't mean we condone them. We can still have, I'm a big believer in healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but we can release that energetically. So, you know, that, that was my like aha moment when my kids were like, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, Ooh, if that yeah. isn't like, and again, so for those people who, who think, oh, my kids don't know I hate my ex, they know it, they feel it, they, yeah. they marinate in it, and mm-hmm. you are energetically pushing them away. I know. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because that's another, it's another place where humility would serve us well to admit maybe our kids pick up on a lot more than we think, and maybe we don't do as good a job of hiding things as mm-hmm. we think, because you're exactly right. Like, again, I've, I've taught for years and I, I've been on record of saying that, you know, there's a lot of kids just aren't that bright, but they are bright in terms of what they already know. And what they know is their parents and they're going to pick up on exactly what you said, their emotional cues. It may be something as, as slight as a change in tone of voice, a look on your face that you don't know you're making, whatever it may be, you are sending a message that your kids are picking up on. And Mm -hmm. if you're not careful what that message is, they're going to hear it. And the danger is they may internalize it. If you hate your ex, that kid is half them. 
And, and the danger is that kid may be picking up on some of that as well and, and starting to feel some of that resentment, that anger, that hatred, whatever it may be. That was, you know, even if it's just like an unconscious decision that they make, like, oh, I can't love mommy mm -hmm. as much as That's I right. want to, or I, I just, can't. I'm not allowed to say dad's much. name over here because mom's going to get upset or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, and again, it's resentment is one of those relationship killers. And so it's really important that, that, that you deal with that. And even if you've been in circumstances with betrayal, because, you mm -hmm. know, I deal with a lot of people who've, who've encountered betrayal and that is, that is some deep stuff to work through. Absolutely. I'm not saying it's easy. Right. I know it. I know it's not, but I'll tell you on the other side of pain is peace. And mm -hmm. on the other side of that fear is freedom. So if you, if you can just, you know, get through that betrayal trauma and work through that and forgive, doesn't mean you have to forget, <laughs> right? It's not forgive right. and forget. But if you can forgive and allow your heart to open up, you will receive more love and you'll give more love. I love that. I want to say that again. Uh, listeners, on the other side of pain is peace. And on the other side of fear is freedom. I'm writing that down and I will totally be ripping that off in future presentations. <laughs> And I will give you a footnote credit at some point. Oh, well, you know, that is what I learned about the loneliness because I was lonely in my marriage. And when I was going through that divorce and I was sitting in that basement crying and I was like, because I, I wanted to go and go date and, you know, mm -hmm. you know, make myself feel better real fast. And I was like, oh, girl, you got to sit with this. There's, right. And again, and, and that's what I tell my clients, you know, when they come to me, I'm like, we're going to work through this pain. And on the other side of that pain is peace because yeah. so many of us, especially nowadays, Joel, I think it's, I actually think it's harder for people to work through their issues because there's so many distractions. We live in a world where, right. you know, social media is at your fingertips. You don't have to deal with that, you know, issue, right. you really distract yourself. And, and so if you can just surrender to the pain mm -hmm. and work through it, on the other side of that is, is a peace of mind, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love that. And, and listeners, again, I hope that you are taking notes like I am because there's a lot of excellent stuff that Terry shared with us. Um, the next thing I want to look at, Terry, is to ask the question, what is, and I think you've already mentioned some of these, but what are some of the best pieces of wisdom or advice or tips or strategies that you've come across for blended families. You've talked about communicating well and making sure that you do so in a positive way. I love the tip you shared about rephrasing a, um, a complaint or a command into a request. I think that's yeah. really, really powerful. That's one that I've used on myself, Joel. I'm going to, oh. I'm, I'm on this strong women. Like I said, I'm old school Southern, but you know, I have no you idea know, what you you're talking flies, about. You get more flies with honey than vinegar, right? So. I have heard that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Work on yourself, like mm -hmm. look at yourself. I think we, I think that is really the theme of today's show is like, start with yourself, right? Mm -hmm. When your partner's not doing what you want them to do, quote unquote, when your ex is not doing what you want them to do, quote unquote, like look at yourself, like, you know, how might you see this differently or how might you be seeing this in a way that's negative or how might you be, oftentimes we have a filter. I believe we, we, filter our world in a certain way and we see people the way we want to see them and if we remove that filter and you, you kind of address that in the Ten Commandments about seeing the best in your ex and give graciously and express gratitude um, 
use discretion. All of those are great, you know, words of advice. Definitely, but start with yourself. You know, mm-hmm. start with yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Self care is a big part of my practice, and I think mm-hmm. that's been getting a lot of like it's the kind of the buzzword, but I don't mm-hmm. think people know what self care means. Right. Because you can't give to others if you're not if you haven't given to yourself so a lot of radical self-care a lot of especially for the stepmoms right mm-hmm. radical self-compassion is what i call it mm-hmm. um, but self-care is like nurturing that soul you know taking time to pray and meditate taking some time alone mm-hmm. doing the things that, that nurtures your soul and ground you i also believe in grounding like i'm a big believer in walking in nature running in nature doing those things that ground you again and recenter you. Because again, like I said, we live in a world where it's so easy to like be on your phone or be on your computer. And like the information is just coming at us so, so much. We don't even have time to filter it. And it, it comes out at our family, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Right. So we really need to take time to ground ourselves and, and nurture ourselves so we can bring our best version of ourselves into our family. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think you're right. That's been a huge focus of our conversation, just the importance of knowing yourself, accepting what you're, um, what you're bringing to the table, both good and, you know, less than good, and, and how what you are bringing affects everyone else at the table. Uh, because that's, mm-hmm. again, until we're willing to accept our own responsibility, man, we're limited in how much positive influence we can have. You, you can do a whole lot of damage without accepting any responsibility. It's hard to do a lot of good change without accepting responsibility for doing that kind of work. So I think that's great, and I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, and again, such a big focus of what we've talked about this whole conversation. Now, the next thing that I want to ask is if you would share some of your resources with our listeners, what it is that you do specifically, and then also share some of the other resources that you go to, your, your favorite or most recommended blended family resource outside of your own. Like who do you also look to or point people to, or who did you learn from that kind of thing? Yeah, I, you know, one quick book that I think of is, you know, I, I mentioned I'm a stepmom and mm. step monster is a really, again, because of the, the role that stepmothers have been cast in our society. Um, I think that's a really good one. And the fact that she's like a therapist mm-hmm. <laughs> struggle, you know, and I'm like this like relationship coach and know what a struggle it is it's it's you know so it's for the everyday person Mm -hmm. to know hey even the best among us know what a challenge that this this role is right so step is a good one you know i i do i have a lot of um resources on my website choosing to rise.com um i talk about you know my challenge as a stepmom in my you know, book that I wrote for women. Now it, it is for women, but um, so if you want some tips and strategies for kind of how to navigate, and also some other women, you know, co-wrote it with me. So there's a lot of great stories in there for women who are who are going through that. So, okay. Again, right. You can find that at choosingarise.com. Everyone remembers it because I've got that long eye. <laughs> that was where I first started picking up on your accent when we were chatting before we started the interview. You said something with a long eye, and I went, oh, man, I would – okay. It sounds like a lot of the kids in my classroom right there. That's where it comes from, all right? That's right. I know. And, you know, the funny thing is because my business is that name, the people around here will say the business like that. You know, uh-huh. I'm in Chicago, and so right. it's like – it's a joke, but I'm like – 
it was like part of my branding now. That's, that's brilliant that's marketing. Well, remember me. <laughs> Go ahead. That's ex- yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's very, very good. Okay, good. So, uh, listeners, we will put um, those resources into the show notes, the, the book Step Monster, and obviously we'll have links to uh, to your website and stuff as well. Terry, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Is it through your website, social media? What are those kind of places where people could connect with you after this interview? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm all over Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. Stepmoms supporting other stepmoms. I have a Facebook group, a private Facebook group. So, mm-hmm. you know, we open and share there. And then um, if you've you know, been impacted by divorce, you're struggling through divorce, um, struggling with an ex, right? Post divorce, a Facebook group for men called Rise Above Divorce. And then uh, Women Rise Above Divorce. So there's a, okay. there's a separate one. I like to kind of keep that one separate. Um, each, each, you know, each gender can kind of vent their own issues. It's very interesting. Are you saying that men and women have different issues when they go through divorce? I just oh my find gosh. That, I just find that so hard to believe with all this whole, uh, you know. I, I, yes and no. Yes <laughs> and no. It's really amazing. I think, I think one of the myths of our society is that that people think like men don't have feelings, but I, the truth is men feel on a much deeper capacity than even I was aware. I mean, the, the, the pain that I see in the men's group, mm-hmm. it's palpable some days. I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, if you provide a safe platform for men to share, because I think that's the thing. I think men don't have a safe platform. To share. Like it's not okay for a man to go to work and like complain about their divorce. So they're you know, right. But, you know, women can openly share about the pains and right. you know, their, their struggles. Whereas men, I don't think, I don't think it's okay. So if you provide a safe platform, that was the number one thing to see their pain and mm. to see, depth of it in some cases was a big thing. I think the issues, you know, the overall issues of what they struggle with, you know, finances and Mm -hmm. assets and the process, but the men just don't have a safe place to share. They're looking Mm -hmm. for community. Mm -hmm. Women, women, for the most part, are actually looking for resources. They're like, I, w- I need this, this, and this. I need a, you know, an attorney. I need this. And, right. and the men are just like, Hey, I need, I need help. I just want to know that I'm okay. Right. That's, that's the biggest difference. Yeah. Okay. Now that's really good to know. And I think you're spot on there too. Um, that the way that men uh, are, I don't want to say treated necessarily, but the way that men are expected to be culturally is very different than, than women. And that's okay. Cause men and women are very different creatures. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but I think it doesn't do either side any favors when going through the divorce process because you're hurt. Both groups are hurting, but the way that they want to deal with that is very different. Like you just said, a lot of times women are much more focused on, okay, what's the next step that I need to take? I need to, I need to get a resource for this. I need to find a resource for this. And men are just looking around like, I'm not even really sure I'm supposed to talk about this. I'm, I'm not even sure I'm supposed to share about this because it's going to make me look weak or it's going to make me look whatever it may be. So I love that you are working with mm-hmm. both groups and, and trying to give them, like you said, a, a safe platform, a place where they can go and find community and, and realize that, okay, one, I'm not the only one struggling with this. Two, it's okay to say that I am mm-hmm. struggling with this. I think that's wonderful. 
and tools and resources to do better mm -hmm. and to like here's something you can you know do right you know forgiveness work that right. will actually get you to a better place right. or you know some some healing work to look at your own triggers so that you don't you know see everything your ex-wife does in this certain way for sure Yes. Now that is something that absolutely is a real thing <laughs> because yeah, because when you're hurting and I've said this before, but when you're hurting, you view everything through the lens of that pain. Um, oh, yeah. You know, at the mm -hmm. time of recording this, I, uh, I recently have gotten cleared by a doctor to start uh, going full strength back to different activities. I'd broken my foot in a motorcycle accident a few months back. And so I did, a, I've done a whole bunch of rehab, had surgery and pins and all that stuff. But when my foot was hurting, I interpreted literally everything through the lens of, I can't do that right now because of my foot. Or if I do that, I'm going to regret it. Or I could do this, but in a modified way because, because that's where the pain was. And emotionally, it's the same kind of thing where if we are hurting from a divorce or from whatever it is, that's the lens that everything gets interpreted through. And until we can acknowledge it and figure that out, we're just going to be stuck there. You are so right. You are so right. Or my ex did me wrong. Mm -hmm. And the, it's like that filter. It's exactly, you are exactly right. You're going to be looking through that filter of pain or looking mm -hmm. through that filter of anger yeah. or whatever that filter is. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the other things between men and women, men tend to jump quicker into relationships mm -hmm. post-divorce. Mm -hmm. Women tend to be a lot more hesitant to get into dating at all for mm -hmm. a long time and that again I, I would love to see more people do the inner work before mm -hmm. you get into a relationship because right. like like we said at the beginning of the show okay now you've got all this extra baggage that you're bringing right. with you so if you thought marriage was hard before right. just wait <laughs> right. what makes just you think wait. this one's going to be easier when you're bringing the baggage from you know what it's fine it's fine mm -hmm. yeah but People, all people just want to be loved and accepted. Yep. And, and so they're just, they just want that belonging, especially when you feel abandoned and rejected. Mm -hmm. so you want someone to make yeah. you feel better. Right. Absolutely. But you have to do that on your own. And that's, right. that's what I learned when I was like sitting in that basement, like, mm -hmm. oh, oh, because I wanted to, trust me, there was, I was wanting to go out. I want to go find someone to make me feel better about myself. Mm -hmm. But it was probably the best decision that I made was to resist that mm -hmm. because I saw that as a con that loneliness was a common thing inside of me. Mm -hmm. And that, that's my thing is the loneliness, you know, mm -hmm. just feeling abandoned by an alcoholic father left me with abandonment mm -hmm. issues. Right. And so it shows up as loneliness and shame and judgment. So right. I have to just continually remind myself, yeah, you are lovable. You are worthy. You don't need external. And that's another thing I say, Joel, you can't solve internal problems with external solutions mm, that's really good too. so many people right they, they want to feel loved they want to belong so they go get in a relationship and they just repeat their relationship patterns right instead of learning to love themselves and give themselves the acceptance that they're seeking from other people validation right I particularly work with what i call the nice guys mm -hmm. <laughs> now the nice guy is a really good guy but he doesn't have good healthy boundaries and he mm -hmm. looks particularly to women to validate himself and give him that love and that validation and that acceptance mm -hmm. that he didn't get from his dad that he didn't get from his mom mm -hmm. so he's unconsciously doing that so i call this the nice guy mm -hmm. I, I like to, to show my clients how to go from being a nice guy to a good guy a good guy mm -hmm. 
is all the same quality as nice guy, but has really good, clear, distinct boundaries mm. and healthy, intimate relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds really that that sounds like something that a lot of people probably need to hear and need to understand better because what's wrong with being a nice guy? Well, it depends on how you define that. You know, and kind of like you mentioned earlier, <laughs> yeah. it's you know, again, as a teacher, especially a history guy, I'm real big on the way that we define problems shapes how we try to solve them. And so like you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. a lot of people hear forgiveness as condoning. And so, well, of course, I'm not going to forgive that. Well, no, no, that's not what forgiveness is. And once you understand it better, right. now you see how it's a positive and a powerful thing. And, and same thing with what you just said there. If you define nice guy in one way, well, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you define it the way that you just did in terms of a nice guy is someone who is nice, does good things, but doesn't have the right boundaries because they're looking for this validation. Well, yeah, that's going to that's gonna be a relationship problem because he may, he may do a lot of good things, but it's not going to go well in the long run. Well, they, well, they, they don't do good things though. Nice guys think they're nice, but they're Mm -hmm. dishonest. They're dishonest Mm -hmm. with themselves. They're just honest with their partners or they look to their partners to fulfill a need that they need to fill themselves. Mm -hmm. And in order not to feel rejected, they sacrifice parts of themselves and they, they aren't honest and Mm -hmm. they aren't authentic. I mean, I've got one, one nice guy who's to the point where even his career is he's not happy. He's chosen a path because that's what his father wanted him to do. Uh, And he's pretty unhappy. So we're building a new life. Mm. So yeah. Yeah. Being a nice guy is it's, it's destructive to relationships because you know, you have to be honest. You have to be honest in your partnerships. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, listeners, I'd encourage you to check out the resources that Terry has mentioned. Make sure you check out her website. Um, that is, um, oh, I just wrote it down and now I've lo- oh, I was looking at my three by five card upside down. Um, choosing to rise.com. Make sure you find Terry on social media as well, uh, because you're going to want to look more deeply into the resources that she has mentioned, male and female. You're going to want to check out the work that she is doing. Um, because she really is trying to help families better understand their own dynamics, their own baggage so that they can become healthier moving forward. Uh, now, Terry, before we wrap up, the last thing I always like to do is my lightning round. So these are just some goofy questions. There may or may not be right answers depending on, you know, how strongly I feel about certain ones of them. But, uh, I, try not to, I try not to shame people too badly if they choose the wrong answer when they didn't know there was one. Okay. All right. You ready? Yes. All right. First question. If you had to pick one of these three, what do you go with? Lord of the Rings, Narnia, or Harry Potter? Uh, Lord of the Rings. That's what I'm talking about. All right, good. Okay, so we'll air this interview. That's good. All right. Number, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I air them all. There's no wrong answer there. That's fine. Uh, number two, hot dogs or hamburgers? Hamburgers. Good. All right. Number three, boneless wings. Are they a real thing or are they just pretentious chicken nuggets? Uh, I think they're pretentious chicken nuggets. That's what I'm but talking about. But my husband would disagree because they're like his favorite food. Yeah, I, we had this discussion with my seventh graders right before Christmas break about how we were writing haikus, and I made them not write boneless wings. They had to write buffalo nuggets, so it changed the syllable count of their haikus, and it messed a lot of them up. It was a lot of fun. That's cute. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I enjoy messing with seventh graders. They're, they're good. Um, number four, dogs or cats? Dogs. Good. Number five, tea, sweet or unsweet? Oh, oh my, come on, Joel. <laughs> this is like sweet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, of course, but that's because you know, you're from I Virginia. Have, so, you know, I have a 
sweet tea here is just so you know because they don't have sweet tea up here right yep crazy yeah it's, my brother and i were driving up to uh i think it's is it columbus ohio where the rock and roll hall of fame is columbus or Cleveland? Uh, cincinnati one? cincinnati okay we were driving up there years ago this is before our kids were born and we we're going to the rock and roll hall of fame because they're having a big u2 exhibit and we got into illinois and we stopped somewhere for lunch or dinner or whatever it was we asked for sweet tea and they just looked at us funny and brought us more sugar to the table i'm like that is not that is not the same thing sir that is not the same no so you know what do you do? it's a crime it it, it absolutely <laughs> is but you know what I'm can you like do west coast people and are like what's wrong with these two <laughs> yeah that's okay that's fine they'll they'll learn hope springs eternal um and speaking of that, the last question is this, what is, just share with me one of your favorite quotes. I feel like you've shared some excellent ones on our show already today, but what are some quotes that pop into your head that you share with other people, whether it's, you know, mine are mostly lines from Lord of the Rings because I'm a giant fat nerd. Um, but, you know, it could be a, a song lyric, a line from a hymn that you learned growing up, a Bible verse, a line from a favorite book, you know, movie line, whatever it may be. But what are some, what are some quotes that pop into your head at various times? Man. I thought I gave you all my good stuff. You did, so. yeah. Well, so here's some of the ones you've one. shared, right? <laughs> Should have saved one for the end. That's no, right. Well, you know, I love, I love Maya Angelou, like mm, all of her mm. poetry. I, I know why the caged bird sings, so mm -hmm. I just love that poem. Um, but you know, definitely, you can heal internal problems with external solutions. Go within. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the I, thing to think about. I love that one. I, I wrote that down. I wrote down a few of these and listeners, again, these quotes will be in the show notes in case you also want to rip off Terry's work. Just make sure you include a footnote whenever you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. All right. That's okay, right. Okay. Good. That was fine. That's right. You'll get a footnote credit. It'll be okay. Um, so yeah, listeners. Well, like said, for you. Have you ever had Chicago deep dish? I have not. Hmm. I have not. Is that something I need to correct? Is that a, a personal yeah, flaw? You should definitely try it. Yeah, okay. you should definitely try it. It's, right. I think it's, the, it's, it's, it's a lot. Okay. I think the closest <laughs> I've had, we've got a place here in Aniston that's actually really good. It's called Mata's, and they do Greek pizza. And it's like an inch and a half thick. And, you know, the toppings are all on the inside. And it's like made with goat cheese. And, oh, it's the Ooh, best pizza. It's that sounds best. good. Yeah. It's anytime you happen to be around Aniston, Alabama, you know, because it's a thriving metropolis, make sure that you can. Make sure that you go by Mata's. For pizza. That's I'm exactly going to that. Alabama for pizza. Hey, you know, it's not a bad idea. It's better than other reasons why people come here. So that's and okay. sweet tea. Sweet tea. That's right. Pizza and sweet tea. Um, listen, um, Terry, you've been exceedingly generous with your time. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing with me. Um, any final words from you before we end? Just thank you so much. This was a pleasure and delight. I know I, I took up a lot of your time. We went from 30 minutes to, and you can see, thumbs up. That's right. Hey, <laughs> little one. That's awesome. That's okay. My dogs will come in in just a minute. That's fantastic. All right. Well, thank you, Joel. So much. this was a pleasure. This was yeah. fantastic. Well, thank you. I had a great time as well. And listeners, make sure you tune in next week for another episode of 10 CBF, a podcast for blended families. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of 10CBF, a podcast for blended families. If you feel this was helpful, please subscribe and then like and share the interview. If you'd like to contact me directly, feel free to reach out through the show's website on Anchor or via social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and I'd love to hear from you. 
Last, if you'd like a free copy of any of my blended family resources, be sure to check out my website at stepdadding.com. In the meantime, walk worthy and Godspeed to you and your blended family.